Hi, I'm Tyler Yules. Welcome to How the Grades Do It. Welcome back to another episode of How the Grades Do It. Super excited about our conversation that we have today. Pleasant Middlehoff, she's the VP of Sales at Converter. And um, man, Pleasant, thanks for jumping on with us. We're excited to hear from you. I'm glad to be on here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Love to hear a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are now. Oh, uh, well, my journey started out in the very traditional route of teaching. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) of course, don't all sellers start with something else. Right. Uh, And uh, spent spent five years in the trenches and had that kind of epiphany moment of, do I want to spend the rest of my life waiting for my retirement? Uh, or do I want to search something different? So I applied and was a first applicant on this job posting in Indeed. Got connected with this crazy guy called Mark Casaglo. And that's where my sales career started selling, uh, you know, dollar 25 cent planners to schools and then, you know, making the totally natural leap of let me go work for a budding startup called Outreach. And the rest is I think that one paid off. Yeah. (laughs) I think think that one paid off in spades for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm -hmm. You know, did um you know you started off in teaching right and and you kind of I'd love to hear like how you made that transition from teaching to like your first sales gig um because that's an interesting uh that's an interesting background yeah so my first I think my first sales win was the interview with Mark um again literally the first applicant and uh met him in person and of course whenever anyone looks. You know, I do the same thing. I look at a person's background. I'm like, oh, they don't have the experience, yeah. the, this, you know. So there's something that made them take the interview in the first place. And um, and we ended up having a two and a half hour conversation just talking about strategy and talking about um, areas of opportunity and, and just, you know, it was, it was totally organic. So the transition really wasn't difficult because a great teacher knows how to figure out where the gaps are. They learn how to diagnose things within students. They they learn how to best, you know, modify instruction and 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 get kids to where they need to be, you know, and they're also great managers of of performance and and you know very objective driven. So it was really right. taking all of those skills and just applying it in a different industry. And um and so it, it, the transition was not that difficult. Um, the only thing that was really real hard was actually learning all of the terminology and, you know, seeing a world outside of the four walls of a classroom and, and you know, sounding relatively intelligent from the start, you know, faking it until yeah. I made it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I'm sure there was a little bit of that imposter syndrome. Uh, as you first started your sales bit. journey, there's a lot of that. There's a lot. Of- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it has, was there any like um, challenges or turning points that helped shape shape your approach to sales through that process? Yeah. So we. Um, so when when I first started, you know, it was it was a uh, an industry that I was so familiar with, and so there was a the comfort in knowing 
who I was selling to because I was going into schools and selling to teachers and principals and districts and things like that. So there was there was that industry expertise that I was I relied on when uh, I made the jump into outreach, which was the the very next move. I mean, there was there was a moment in some of my first sales meetings, you know, there's there's a there's a gentleman, I won't name him here, but um, you know, it was a it was a hard moment because it was one of my first in-person meetings and I was highly, highly unqualified to manage this meeting on my own. And um, <laughs> you know, and and the imposter syndrome actually came to life and he let me know. And so I just determined I will oh. not ever have that happen to me again. And um and so it it made me become a quick a quick study of the industry of of what I was selling of the challenges of you know things that I would need to do in order to be successful and and uh, make something out of this career. Now I love that, right? You talk about like learning as much as possible, and so like, what advice would you give someone that's really just starting out in their first type of of sales role, and they're and maybe they're feeling that imposter syndrome, like? Would it be as simple as, hey, like do as much research as possible, like become a subject matter expert or like are there other things that you would add to that that would say, hey, like, hey, this is the top of the things that I would add to my list of, of things to do? I think you have to know what you are good at and be confident. There's been a lot of self-reflection and a lot of life events that have have pulled to the surface where my strengths are and where my weaknesses are. and. Yeah you have to you have to know that about yourself because it is not an easy an easy role it's not an easy role to be a sales leader it's not an easy role to be a seller um or you know starting a company it's it's just not easy so you have to know where your strengths are and um and focus in on those and figure out how you can apply those um and then of course you know learn learn your learn your business you know, you yeah. learn your business and that takes a lot of conversations. This this new role that I'm in now, you know, there's a lot of things that I, I didn't know just about, you know, I knew about marketing and, and was selling ad tech before that and managing a team there. But, you know, there was a, a whole lot behind the scenes that I wasn't familiar with. So the first thing I did was, it was ask one of a, uh, uh, someone I'd sold to before that was in the persona that we were selling to now, if I could just pick his brain and have him educate me on the ins and outs of his role and Ooh, I like that foresee it, you know, like what, what he thought about the product, it was a total non-sales call, but it was yeah. helping <clears throat> me get up to speed quickly. Um, and I, I'd recommend that for anybody. I love that. Another one I would add is like, maybe talk to a, a customer that didn't buy, right? Like somebody that said, no, understand why they didn't, right? Because I think the wins, right? The people that, um, I love like you having a discovery meeting with not the intention to sell, say like, hey, like, tell me about this. Like, this is what my product does. How would this help you? And just better understand your persona. But somebody that doesn't necessarily didn't buy from you will tell you a lot as well. And so maybe those are a couple of different tips that uh, help our newbies out there. That's that's for sure. Like I said, that was <laughs> that was the the one of my first ex, first experiences with outreach was someone telling me why they would never buy from me. Yeah. Um, so it was always nice to uh, to see that person in future events and and him realizing 
All right. Did he ever did he ever go back and buy outreach? <laughs> um actually no, not at the time. <laughs> um, but uh he did gain quite a bit of respect for the growth and um and knew that it was it was truly accomplished through hard work and um you know, an experience. So it's it's I been like that. Up. It's been fun to have conversations with him now these days. <laughs> I love that. Well, I'd love to hear a little bit of like how you made the transition from seller to to leader, right? Because um, sometimes that's a that's a difficult one. And and the you know a lot of people think, hey, you take your top salesperson and make them into a, your natural leader, and a lot of times that doesn't work out, right? There's a totally different function and different skills that you need to use. And um, I'd love to hear about how that went for you. Yeah, that's that's the total Peter principle, right? Where you can promote someone and they they become they're so so great at at what they're doing today, but then they're capped at their level of greatness, which is mediocre when you're putting them in different roles. And um yeah. so it was it was a challenge definitely moving into leadership um at the beginning. And there, you know, there's when you come from a selling position and you move into a management and then you move into more of an executive leadership position, you really have to be cognizant of the fact that you have to know who you are actually working for and who your customer is. And yeah. so the hard thing for me was as a manager, you know, I, I was like all in and wanting to be all in with my sellers and, and, um, you know, be on the ground and like be, be in the weeds still. And, you know, and it was being that buffer between, you know, executive leadership and then them that was where I initially struggled. And, you know, it was like, oh, because I just wanted to get everything over the line for them and help them with everything, you know, without thinking about the business as a whole. And so that was a learning curve um, yeah. to, to think about and and what was best for the business versus what's, you know, how do we just get to quota? Um, so that was uh, a big transition. But it is important to talk to people that have made that transition before you make the transition. Um, and mm -hmm. to understand really what the benefits are and what your ultimate goal is, because a lot of people move into a management spot or you know a VP spot, and they and it's because they want the title and they want the the recognition or like the growth and the challenge. But the sacrifice that they give is the independence of just owning your own business and your own opportunities, and you know being the leader of yourself and and you know having a lot more control over those outcomes. And that's why you see a lot of people move back into IC roles after they've gone into management because, you know, they would rather have that flexibility and they know they can sell. And it's like, you know, how do you coach someone to do something that you do naturally? Um, yeah. So it's important to have the conversations with people that have made that transition. It's important to also know and to articulate what your objectives are for your, for your career in the long term, um, and, and where you want to be and see yourself and, and create those milestones and, and create a success plan for your own self to just keep on track and to know that you're going to hear a lot of no's along the way. There's going to be a lot of blockers along the way. Um, yep. I've, I've applied to a lot of roles and had a lot of blockers, had a lot of naysayers 
you know, for, for different reasons, but just knowing that it's not the right time or the right situation. And I always think, whew, you know, God, that didn't happen at that time or you know, <laughs> come down the pike. So, you know, just be persistent with, with what you want to accomplish and, and keep setting yourself up for that role, act in a way and perform in a way that shows that you can have those, that you do have those skills that you're wanting to, to um, demonstrate to people that you're, you're trying to win over. Absolutely. You know, you've sold in maybe a multitude of different industries and maybe different um, silos of, of technology. Like I'd love to hear, like, now that you've been in, in multiple different leadership roles, like does the, does the approach change in that sense with your team? Um, or is it, you know, somewhat similar across different, different functions and different silos? The approach, I see that as a, as kind of a multi-layered question. Uh, yeah. My style has never changed. Um, my style is, is very much, I trust you for the job that you're hired to do. And if I've hired you or if you're in this role, it's because we've deemed you and you've proven to be competent to do that role. Um, right. And so I take that approach as, you know, I'm going to give you the the area to do your job effectively. And my role in this position is to help remove blockers, is to give you a set of eyes and ears that um, has had experience in multiple roles to get through different hurdles, to get through different blockers, to 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 lean in different ways, and then I, you know utilize my network, all of those different things. Um, so that's like the, that's my style is let me give you the trust first um, versus prove it to me, you know, and 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 all that. Um, but the other approach that I also take is um, I I take a lot of ownership in my team's performance. And so I know what's going on in the business. I know what's going on in, in the deals. I'm probably always going to be in the weeds because if I'm going to be reporting on it or if I'm going to be forecasting it, I need to know what, what the business is. So that's, yeah. that's not changed. Um, the last thing I would say with, with that is, is, I do have a high level of expectation um, for people that I work with. And and I think that's just from personal experience on, on my own part um, of, of the resiliency of the taking ownership of the way that we, we present ourselves professionally. I have a high level of expectation of that. And so yeah. I make that clear from the beginning and um, you know, and people either love it or they hate it. And, you know, you can't win everybody over. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I'd love to hear like, you know, obviously new to Converter, right? And, and making some some big changes. And I think like the things that you're doing right here at Converter is great, right? Like, so I'd love to hear like come being a new leader at Converter and, and figuring out how you, hey, how am I restructuring this go-to-market motion? And um and giving more visibility to the team, like what, what are some things that you've done um, thus far to really like upscale the team and, and bring it to a whole nother level? So I think when you first started a company and 
especially at this stage. So I've, I've been with companies at all, multiple stages, right? Like uh, yeah. ones that were very, very large and you were kind of lost in the lost in the process and everything was set um, to where, you know, versus outreach. I started, I was, you know, I've got a nice little jacket where it says 10 on it and that was my employee number. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then Penda was a little bit farther along. And uh, so there's, you know, it's all different stages. You have to come in, you have to, you have ideas and you have goals in place that you want to accomplish, but then you have to really, really dive under the hood and learn very quickly uh, where things are at and, and what's the baseline and then where can we go from there. So my approach has been, let me understand the business challenges that we have today and where the gaps are, you know, what the goals are, for example, like pipeline creation, yeah. pipeline generation. Um, that's been the the charge of like, hey, we need we need this fixed quickly. Um, so sure, we'll fix it, but I need to understand why it's not already working in the first place. So in this last right. month, the the focus has been on systems. You can't have you can't have things running smoothly if you don't have the systems in place to measure effectively, to help your team be more efficient in the work that they do. Because I, I just abhor lots of manual efforts and, you know, reinventing the wheel every single time. Um, Absolutely. To have the system and the tools in place, uh, that, that fundamental element uh, in order to then accelerate what you're trying to accomplish. So that's where I've been focusing on is getting people on board, hiring consultants, you know, to help us uh, create a, a foundation of great tools and, that they can then utilize and we can throw gas on the fire um, yeah. as well as learning very much about my, my team styles and, you know, what blockers they've had in place so far and creating uh, different pathways and, and ideas, bouncing ideas. It takes a lot of, of brainstorming together of like, you know, how could we do this better or what have we, what have we seen ha work in the past versus what we've seen fall flat on, you know, in, you know, before. So yeah. that's, what I've been, that's what I've been focusing on a lot is, uh, figuring it out. And I did not expect that the systems piece would be something that would be such a large focus at the beginning, uh, because it has been around for a while. Uh, it's been around for 10 years. And while they, they have a phenomenal killer, killer product, they yeah. have one dedicated to like, you know, your, your Salesforce environment and, you know, getting something in place to do, you know, sales engagement and really being able to measure that full funnel, uh, conversion, you, you know, throughout. So that's, that was priority number one for me, which I am very excited has, um, taken place quickly to, yeah. to get accomplished. No, I love that. Right. Like you talk about, you know, removing blockers with your team. And I think like as leaders, right. It's like one of the number one things that we're there for is like, Hey, like what's causing you not to be good at your job. Let me figure out how I can remove that blocker from your way and then make you more successful. And you mentioned, right, like um, getting to know the team's personalities, like um, I think, you know, in those first, you know, 90 days, right, like building a culture of continuous improvement is, is always super important. And so, like, how have you tried to figure out, like, or different ways that you've implemented strategies to to really build that culture that you're really looking for at a converter? Because a new leader um, can either 
you know, hurt things or, or make them a lot better. <laughs> yes, they can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I have, you know, I've, I think just like everybody, we've had experiences with leaders that have have done great uh, and wonderful things in their first, you know, their first part of their tenure, and then yeah. leaders that have come in that have already had the uh, playbook laid out and their own agenda that that they want to implement, you know, everywhere else and, yeah, and great damage to the team. So, um, so I have, I feel very confident and this is from, you know, just knowing who I've worked with that people that have worked with me like working with me. Um, and the reason why is because if you learn how they sell and if you, listen to what they need from you and you prove in the beginning that you have strengths in certain areas that you can provide immediate support and help to them, then you get their buy-in from the start. And I also believe in full transparency with with people at the beginning of, I'm not going to come in and and, you know, flip your world upside down. There's obviously going to be things that we're going to change. We do things differently, but that's not my goal. So we're going to do it together and, and work through it together. Um, so that way they don't feel blindsided and it doesn't feel like there's this whirlwind of change happening. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, excited so far that that even in this short period of time we've you know i think that there's been great rapport built with my immediate team plus the executive team of the other departments because mm-hmm. you know i spend time listening and learning to what they need and you know what's going on in sales that's hindering you from doing your best aspect you know because <laughs> i want to everybody so that's important it's just it's just sitting back and learning a little bit but then showing your strengths. And I always tell them up front, like, what is, what is your, I ask them, what is your best sales skill? You know, and people will always be like, oh, like building relationships. People always say that to me. Always. always <laughs> okay. But that is so generic. But what yeah. do you like, do give me your bragging book. Give me your bragging rights. Um, what do you do really well within the sales process? And then that's when they get down to the nitty gritty of like, man, I am, really good when it comes to the discovery piece. Like I can get people to talk, you know, and really open up and and all this. And then I tell them mine, you know, mine is negotiation. I love getting on negotiation and proposal calls because my brain gets creative. Like I want it to be a win for everybody. So, you know, we'll strategize and I'll help you with those because my goal for you is to sell bigger deals and sell them faster. And so- you know, having those upfront conversations as well uh, also helps to build rapport pretty quickly in the beginning. Yeah, I know. I love that. Any tips um, that you, that you'd give people that is like, as a new leader coming in, like, Hey, what are some effective tips that you found managing and maybe motivating the team? Um, Don't be afraid to do hard work 
and yeah. to get your hands dirty, especially at like this stage of the of the the company, it is, you know, set the right expectations for yourself of get your hands dirty. Um, and if you wouldn't do something yourself, then it's really hard to ask a seller to do it. And a lot of times, yeah. especially with leaders that have had multiple leadership positions um, back to back, they have they have become a little more removed from, you know, what does it actually look like to get on discovery calls? What does it actually <laughs> look like to do prospecting? What does it actually yeah. look like to have these blockers and these conversations? And so those are things that I make sure that I do. If I can't demo our own product, then then that's a challenge because if I'm on a call with, you know, supporting a seller and they're asking about things, my brain's not going to be able to find help figure out a solution if I if I don't know the ins and the outs of the product. Um, Absolutely. So get your hands dirty, get on a discovery call to see how they go and to to a prove your prowess or B figure out why things aren't going the way that they should be going. Um, and then to demonstrate to your team that you're willing to do the work with them and then ask them, you know, to do more. So yeah, that's a, that's a I, crucial thing. I love that. Right. Like you have to build the trust with the team before you can say, like, Hey, I'm going to ask more from you. Right. Or like be in their shoes for a little bit before you say like, Hey, I want you things to do things differently. Right. Cause you can't just come in and say, hey, I want you to do things differently right off the rip, um, especially if they feel like they've caught a little bit of success early on, right? It, but you and I both know that the success that companies can have early on can really fizzle out and right, unless you create a process um, around those things so you can have continuous success, you know, the success can, can easily die. Yeah, 100%. You have to build a process and you have to know what the process is and they have to believe in you that you know what you're talking about. And trust that you've got their backs. Um, yeah. But then in the same token, you also have to give that respect back to them um, and know that they've been there longer than you have. And yeah. so it's it's a mutual learning experience. And, and, uh, and then you can really develop your roles in the way that they need to be. Yeah. What about um, like building a relationship with the executive team? Because I know you had mentioned, you know, um, that's been super cru crucial with, you know, what you've been doing at Converter. And so I'd love to hear, like, as you come in as a new leader coming into a company and, um, building those relationships, like what have you found really effective and, um, maybe pros and cons to, to that? Okay. So, uh, fun fact about me, my brain is, uh, hot wired for like all kinds of ideas. And so <laughs> when I look at things, it's, it's a blessing and a curse. Um, I, I do see the full picture oftentimes five steps, you know, before the picture comes, you know, comes together. And so for me, building those relationships is again, first learning about, you know, what they're doing today, what their things are, you know, getting out, building that rapport um, but then I have to always be careful not to overstep my bounds because, you know, for me, I, I think, okay, I've seen this done differently, you know, and these other places. So I know that they could work here too, but Absolutely. 
but I have to, it's very important to be very respectful of making your recommendations. And I would say that the, the way that I go about it is never just to be like, hey, like this is how this should be done. You have to present a business case and, and be a really good internal seller to those that you're working with every single time. So when change happens, you know, I, I make a joke about it with, about the the finance, the VP of finance. And I'm like, man, he's going to kill me because I'm going to make another request. But, <laughs> but it has to be done with the business justification. And so just because you you come into a position where you have authority or there's, you know, that you, you can make the changes doesn't mean that you should without yeah. having the buy-in um, and the evidence behind why it should happen. And so I'm very strategic about that before just firing off like, oh my gosh, and day X, Y, and Z, like, you know, day 10, here's all the things that we should be doing, you know, and here are the things that we could be doing because again, you know, I yeah. don't know everything and I, I don't claim to know everything, but um, have your business case. And before you, before you lend your expertise out. Yeah. I love that. Right. Like, and so you mentioned, right. <clears throat> getting the person's buy-in and trying to do that quickly. Like, are, are there some strategies that you've, you've done? Cause I think we could even implement, implement this for um, like sellers ourselves. Right. It's like, Hey, like how do we then get buy-in from our customers? But like for you, right. You're, you're doing that internally as well. And I think as I think about sales and like the, the things that we learn, like it's not that we're just doing it with our customers. We do it in our relationships. We do it with people that we meet, right? Like, and so it's all part of the process, but how do you then make sure that you um, get buy-in quickly from your internal stakeholders? So when I'm making decisions about like, whether it's tools that we're purchasing or things that I'm prioritizing, um, yeah. The, one of the first things that I, I I invested in was was getting someone on board to to really really help with this the, with revamping our sales force. And the question was posed: Do we? What's the investment? Are you sure you want to invest here, or we can invest it in the marketing area where it's you know certain amount of you know we get a whole bunch of leads that will help immediately fill the pipeline. Um, and my my area of getting buy-in is is I look at how will my decisions for the sales team impact the other departments on a on a whole, and I like to share that with them. So yeah. when we're on executive team meetings, I give updates on like here's and it's only been a month, but it's I've, we've made a lot of of headway in a month. Um, I like to share out like here here's what we're doing with this project. And I'm really excited because it's going to help your team in this way and your team in this way and your team in this way. And yes, we're not going to go, if we're going to have to reallocate budget, you know, because of a request that I'm asking, here's why I'm asking it because, you know, it's going to actually impact your OKRs and how you achieve them if I can get this in place. And I can yeah. give you my guarantee that I'm going to make sure my team like crushes it because we're all working together here. So, um, thinking about things outside of the silos of your department and sharing how those impacts are going to happen. It is so crucial because then they realize that you're working for the good of the company and not for your own personal 
you know, agenda and quota attainment and making a name for yourself. Absolutely. Right. Like tell the person like, Hey, what is this? How does this affect you in a positive way and, and get their buying quicker. I love that. Yeah. They got to know that you're working for, <clears throat> you're working for the team, not for yourself. Yeah. So, I don't like to leave gray areas. No, I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to hear like, if, is there any, has there been any people in your, in your past, like as you've kind of gone through leadership, like the made that has made you a better leader and what, maybe why they, how or why that happened? Um, there have been, there's, I've had a lot of, of people that I consider phenomenal mentors and, and friends. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I mentioned Mark Costaglow. I, I can't, I can't sing his praises more. Um, he is, he's been one that's been with me from, from the start and mentored me throughout the career changes. And, you know, I steal half of his stuff. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not ashamed. You know, he, I remember he told me the, the best, uh, salespeople steal from other great sellers. And so I've adopted that philosophy. Um, I've also worked with, you know, one person that had a, a big impact on me uh, when I was at Outreach. I worked with, um, it was actually my first six-figure deal, and it was with a company called Domo. And at the time, uh, the person running uh, running their sales was a gentleman named Stan Hansen. And he is, you know, he he is just a phenomenal human being to begin with. Yeah. And um, And what he really taught me um, and I ended up working with him, you know, he went to a couple of other companies and led their sales organizations and, you know, we'd, we'd work together further, but one is he was just truly kind to work with. And, and it wasn't the traditional working with a sales leader that, you know, is arrogant and, you know, so high and mighty. And so it was, you know, how to, how to be as a sales leader, um, I yeah. saw how he treated his team and how he had this massive network of people that that you know he actually introduced me to. And because they respected him so much, they were like, you know, it was like a, a welcome door, like, yeah, yeah, we'll talk to Pleasant, we'll talk to her. And um, and so he was so critical in the art of relationship building, like truly networking and growing your relationships by being honest, by cutting through all the fluff. You know, I remember yeah. our negotiation calls where he'd be like, cousin, look, I know we're gonna we're gonna go back and forth, but I'm I'm giving you my true, like this is where our bottom line is. And you know, the reality is you all are a startup company that's unproven. We're not. And you know, and he like he like he totally <laughs> laid it out for me to where I was like, okay, I okay, I'll take this back and and okay, that's it. Like there's no I didn't believe that he was trying to like, you know, pull one over on me. It was a, it was yeah. a win for both of us. And so he just really, he taught me how to, to really uh, work with people and how to be a great leader, a great negotiator and, and just transparent with people and cutting out the game that yeah. we all like to play so much. And, you know, and when you do that, it, it creates a really strong sense of, of respect amongst your colleagues. So that's helped me tremendously. 
a lot. Oh, I love that. Like we love the game, but we I think people don't love the game, right? And so the the fact that you loved his transparency and the way that he just was straightforward and and straight to the point, but like in a really respectful and way like that was probably a lot of the reasons why he's so good at building relationships like what about what about for you right like have you found um different things that work for you to really build long-term relationships with people because i think that you you have a lot of those um kind of relationships in your in your network i i just i do the same thing um i am i i value kindness and i value respect um i also value not having unrealistic expectations uh with on people you know for people and um and then also if I say I'm going to do something I'm going to do it you know and and just being true to my word I think it's just you know core traits of of being a good human being and so you know those are things I I've also have a lot of empathy for people um I've, I've had a lot of situations that have, have made me rely on the help of others and, or, or, or need to lean on others. And because I was able to do that, it made me so much stronger and so much more resilient, uh, in my own career that I am also that kind of a person for others. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a, someone that is has a deaf ear to like you have a real life too mm-hmm. um, so that's how i that's how i like to to maintain my relationships and and keep my network strong is just i guess just being a good human being <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you're right it, it's about good being a good human being but i think i think you you hit on this right it's your authentic self and i think you know, especially as salespeople, right? We can read through the BS pretty quickly. And so if we see that you're not being authentic, right? Mm-hmm. Or you don't believe in your product, then it's like, like we see that pretty quickly. And so, so often than not, um, it's the little, I think it's all about the little things, right? And so be yourself, find somewhere, find your group where people appreciate you for you. And right, I think that that'll help kind of build those relationships as well. Yeah, I do think so. I had a, I also, you know, especially with people that I work with, I will, I'll tend to tell them, I give them more about myself and let them learn about me. Um, the good, the good, the bad, and the better, I would like yeah. to say, you know, to where, you know, it's not all roses and sunshine, but, <laughs> but they also know why I have certain values, like, for me, I am a hard freaking worker. I I work really, really hard. You know, and yeah. um, I come from, you know, a family where my 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 mom, you know, she was a bus driver for her whole life. My dad, you know, he he didn't even graduate high school, but he was just a start off as a painter, stay with the same company for years and worked his way up, you know, and they just but they always did everything possible to provide and to do the best for, for us and instilled a really good work ethic. So I think that that's yeah. um, when I ask people to, to give a hundred percent, like if you're here, you're giving a hundred percent. If you need to take time for your family or time off, take the time. But when you're here, you need to be a hundred percent in and not one foot in one foot out kind of, kind of deal. So 
Um, no, hundred percent. I, I think I, I've heard that as well. It's like, you know, if you try to spend 50%, here, you know, I always love the the reps that go on vacation and they try to work. And it's like, it is, it's, you're not going to be successful at doing it, right? You have one foot at vacation and one foot at work. And whereas like, if you just spent your entire week before all on work, right. And then totally disconnect, be a hundred percent present with your family and your loved ones while you're on vacation. And then, right put that hundred percent right back into what you're doing and, and um, give all that energy and effort into, and being really intentional. I think you're going to be way more successful in the long run. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Cause <clears throat> it's always frustrating when a rep says, Hey, or, you know, I'll be, I'll be online. And then, and then you're like, <laughs> okay, great. Here's a, here's what I'm, I need this. You know, or, yeah. How oh, that's and it's like, what? Don't tell me you are in the not, you know? Right. So it's, yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be clear with that kind of stuff. For sure. What advice would you give to like aspiring sales leaders that are looking to like continue to move up, move up the ranks? Like, um, how should they do that? And maybe like some advice on like, if that's the right move for them. Um, so I would say, Number one, you have to, in your current role, you need to push the limits of what you think is your best. And, um, you know, you're oftentimes like, it's, it's great to be, you know, like I'm on quota, I'm doing this, but you need to push yourself outside of your comfort zone, um, and see where your limits actually stretch and in the capacity that you have to take on additional opportunities to to think to think in the way that you would have to think in order to be a manager or a VP. Um, yeah. Same thing with managers that are wanting to move into VP roles. Think in the way of not just a manager that's looking out for your sales team, but as the leader of the sales organization that's then looking out for um, how, how, you know, deal structures are going to impact um, how we're reporting our, our ARR and, and how we're actually managing our cash flow and start. Yeah. So start, start stretching yourself beyond what your current role is uh, to ensure that you're doing that. Talk to people. I, I mentioned that before. Um, and, and be prepared that you're going to have to be really resilient. And it's it's still an internal cell uh, when you're trying to move up ranks. And, you know, salespeople get told no all the time. We're always like, oh, there's so many blockers. There's so many things that are happening. There's so many reasons why we can't get this deal over the line. There yeah. is happening. Um, so know that's going to happen. And have your backup plan. Have your you know, be resilient, don't give up on it and keep growing yourself uh, and learning, taking away the learnings from each of the opportunities. You know, I, I learned this, this for me was really exciting to get this role. Um, I knew that my next, uh, my next career move uh, was going to be in a VP position and it wasn't going yeah. to be for anything less. And, yeah. um, and I, I, you know, interviewed for a lot of companies interviewed. I knew that there was a certain type of company I wanted to work for, which was something smaller because I love just the fast pace. I love being agile. I love breaking into a new market. I love, I just like, I'm such a freaking nerd with that stuff. Um, But 
you know, it was, it was tough because it was like a, there was a lot of no's and there were a lot of, a lot of interview process that I would go through. And, um, you know, it always came down to, but you don't have the title, you don't have the title that were that, you know, that previously had. And, and it was, Mm -hmm. and it was always the same conversation of, I had to have an evidence book of, I may not have had the title, but what you're looking to accomplish, I've already accomplished in three other roles. You know, yeah. I've done that. And so, you know, you're you're looking at a candidate that's worked with two unicorn companies, one from the start to, you know, when they were at a hundred hundred million dollars, you know, like and one from they had no enterprise team to now they're like, you know, you know, taking them into unicorn status. So it's it's sure. having your book of you may not have done this role before or had the title, but you have done this role before. And Absolutely. being able to show that evidence, so document it, document your achievements, document the projects that you've worked on, document how you've influenced, you know, other parts of the organization outside of your role, because until you break into it, until you get into that uh, position, you're going to have those blockers. So uh, just be prepared for them. I love that. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this. I have one last question for you. Um when you leave this life, how do you want people to remember you? I want people to remember me as being someone that never gave up in any situation and that was a hard worker, but also a really smart thinker. I am, I, I want my kids to see, you know, I, I, I went through a period of time where I was a single mom, hundred percent. And that was some of my most successful times in my work career, because I was so motivated to, to be the best in all areas. Mm -hmm. And I want people to know that about my work ethic, that I had that killer work ethic, um, that they could rely on me, but that, man, I was just like a good person to be around, that I brought joy to people's lives, that they enjoyed working with me and they enjoyed hanging out with me. Um, yeah. So that's how that's how I want to be remembered. I want to be remembered for a lot of things, but... <laughs> But being being that type of a person, yeah, I love it. I love it, and I and I like I said, I think a lot of people are gonna get a lot out of this episode, and this yeah. is just another episode of how the grades do it. How they do it. <laughs> <laughs>